0: Hello, this is Mary. And this is Chandler. And you're listening to the Miss Fisher Files. Welcome back. Today we are talking season one, episode nine, Queen of the Flowers. I am
1: looking at my notes right now and they are a mess. <laughs> like I just kept writing and writing and writing. Yeah. And there's there's a lot here. There I, really is. Yeah. So this is the one where we get to see Freine teaching the next generation of badass female superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> and like Franny, these are gals from kind of the wrong side of the tracks. They've had a tough upbringing or maybe no upbringing to speak of. They have have been in and out of welfare and she is teaching them the ropes. But of course, there's a murder. And sadly, it's one of the girls. Yeah, This is really a grim murder. This, this, one, this one is, is really very sad.
0: hard. Yeah.
1: But I think they take an important issue head on in mm-hmm. this one in that, you know, it's not just women who might be in danger of violence but unfortunately girls are as well and um, so that's kind of the main thrust of this episode is what what happens to this girl mm-hmm. and it's a really important who-done-it, I think because the answer reveals some pretty shocking things yeah there's a lot here um we kind of have the beach culture we have kind of suburban Melbourne we have wealthy families that have kind of fallen on hard times And we have politicians who are maybe not who we think they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And lots and lots and lots of costume changes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Yay. We also have um, Jane's mother appear in this episode. Yes, that's right. And so that's a whole big part of the storyline, too. Yes. I remember when I first watched this episode, I really was not that into the premise. Mm. The idea of training these young women in deportment and etiquette mm, was... Charm school. Yeah, charm school. It was really boring, and it seemed sort of beneath Franny yeah. almost. But over the course of the episode, I realized it, it provided a really important backdrop, I think, to... Yeah everything else that was going on that like the the real stuff going on yeah and sort of showed like the fact that it was sort of boring and felt a little pointless was intentional I think Mm -hmm. um, because it highlighted just how irrelevant a lot of what they were being taught was
1: yeah because of the
0: world that they lived in
1: it makes me think of I think we've talked about Titanic before, mm-hmm. but there's a scene in Titanic where Rose, Kate Winslet's character, is sitting in the dining room with her mother, and she's and and everybody. she's at the table with all of these people. and she's bored to death with how the conversation <laughs> is going. And she looks over at a neighboring table and this, mother, this obviously wealthy mother is training her young daughter and making her sit up straight and making hmm. her fold her napkin and Rose is just thinking, Oh my God, I have to get out of here, that poor girl and and I feel like that was the reality for a lot of girls and women mm-hmm. and that, that's they didn't have a lot of opportunities past a certain point in their education. Right. But they were all expected to be perfect ladies, perfectly comported at all times
0: right. well in the end plan was to make a good marriage right, right? And i mean be it, able
1: to keep house for somebody yeah and and that's it yeah there was no you know don't bother teaching them latin or don't bother mm-hmm. you know teaching them higher mathematics or judo but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but they need to know how to fold their napkin and they need to know how to sit like a lady and, right and which fork to use for the asparagus? <laughs> yeah,
0: this episode really highlights how women were supposed to behave. Yeah, and how they—I think the town thought they were doing a good deed by taking these wayward teenage girls and, and turning
1: them into ladies. Yeah, how exactly. a very Eliza
0: Doolittle of them. Yep.
1: Yeah, but but I think it it should be noted that Franny also came from a tough background mm-hmm. until she came into money after the war and. But Phryne has impeccable manners. Mm-hmm. And she uses them to her advantage. She can she can float in amongst high society and blend right in with them when she needs to. Right. And I think she kind of sees that as another weapon in her little tool belt. That's
0: true. Yeah. I mean, there is something to knowing all of this etiquette. Knowing and how to play the game. Yeah, when exactly. You need to.
1: And she also knows how to play the game, as we see in other episodes, in the opposite direction, right? You know, in Collingwood, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or when she joins the circus and has this working class accent, yeah. She she can kind of blend in everywhere she goes. So I don't know. She never really mentions that to the girls, though. I think there's a, a quote that's said later in the episode, but I think it it sort of sets a good tone for what this episode is about. When Jack says, I'm happy to deal with angry wharfies and trigger happy thugs, but I'll bow to your expertise when it comes to wayward teenage girls. (laughs) I wrote that one down too.
0: I guess this is the second time he's done that because... um, Jane, when we meet Jane. Yeah.
1: And and how different it is because at the beginning of the show... Franny's like, no, I don't do kids. Yeah. uh uh-uh. And now, all of a sudden, she's got kids who are way more out of control than Jane ever was. Right. And I we, we've got the kleptomaniac. We've got the pyromaniac. pyromaniac. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. I think Jane Jane is wily and scrappy and smart. But these other girls are a hot mess, too. Mm-hmm. But they're not quite as smart about it, I think, as Jane. Yeah. As Jane is. Well, Jane was. has landed very nicely.
0: Yeah. And doesn't have to worry about day-to-day the way I think the other girls do.
1: But even when she was a street rat, you didn't see her going on and on about her penny-dreadful plots. And, oh, it just oh, I was overcome. That. and la, 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 la. So funny.
0: <laughs> I love listening to her going, going oh, on that and girl. on.
1: Oh, I wanted to strangle that girl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she is really annoying, but I think she's um, kind of perfect for the part yeah. and just the age and yeah. her circumstances. Oh, she man. did really well.
1: And she's such a... There's all these scenes where she's just crying for attention mm-hmm. from somebody. Like, where she keeps sidling up to Rose and, like, kind of leaning against her. And Rose like, get get away from me. Yeah. And then when she's trying to get the attentions of the boy. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and annoying. And then you feel bad for being annoyed by this poor kid. And yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I do love the scene when they're interviewing the girls. And they interview her, Marie, first. Yes. And... She steals Jack's fountain pen, and he doesn't notice it, and Frinney says, I hope you weren't attached to the fountain pen, and the look on his face as he's shuffling through know, his papers just, to try what? to find it, and he's
1: like, wait, what? Some cop you are, Jack. I know. Come on. Right well, out you from under Well, he lets his guard down, because, you know, it's a it's a little girl.
0: Yep. But then when Frinney comes into the kitchen and puts it into his pocket, it's such a nice little I know. moment. I it's love very, that.
1: It's very intimate.
0: And um, the look on his face is kind of mixed. Like, he, I think, is in awe of her ability to get it back yeah, so quickly and just very appreciative. And it's a really nice little look. And
1: also a little bit like,
0: oh, I can't believe I didn't notice that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, a little bit of chagrin there, too.
1: I love, I love the bit when they're interviewing Marie and um, she gives that ridiculous plot, that fanciful scenario. And Phryne and says, I think you've been reading one too many Penny Dreadfuls. And I think Penny Dreadfuls are a really interesting thing, actually. I, yeah, I don't know much about them. So they were kind of the precursor to Pulp Fiction novels. Hmm. They were um, really... They were cheap, mass-produced, uh, illustrated novels that almost always had sensationalist plots. Huh. Um, and they were, they were, the first ones were, I think the first one was published in like 1836, something like that. Um, but between 1830 and 1850, there were over a hundred publishers of Penny Whoa. Dreadfuls. Wow. They were really, really popular. And they kind of, it, it's almost like, they, they also were kind of the precursor to comics mm-hmm. because they were highly illustrated and they almost—they um, also were called penny bloods, penny blood, because they often had <laughs> wow bloody scenarios and pirate tales <laughs> and and sensational uh, murders. But they also were very very short. They were mm-hmm. usually eight or sixteen pages hmm. only. So they're almost like Tijuana Bibles, or which are totally you know. What's pop- a Tijuana Bible? They're um, they're little dirty comics oh. <laughs> <laughs> that okay. were published in the early early to mid 20th century okay Uh, (laughs) I have to look that up um yeah they uh so there and and also there's um there's a religious version of these that were I I still see them around I actually had one stuck in my car a couple of years ago someone stuck stuck one in like the door handle of my car oh wow um and they're called jack chick tracks and they were developed by I think a guy named Jack Chick and they there's a whole bunch of them. There's probably hundreds of different ones in there. These little panoramic, they're maybe two inches tall by four or five inches wide and then they open up their little comics about hellfire and damnation and about you know why you're going to go to hell exactly <laughs> and why, you know, what, like here's the sin of the day and then here's oh, a little funny. moralistic story of somebody who commits this sin and then they go straight to hell straight and how Jesus is the salvation. So okay, there are artists, especially like comic book artists who collect these things, hmm. and I think our Crum did a um, spoof huh. on them. So I have a few of them because they're they're so awful that they're hilarious. So, right. But I yeah. know people who collect. They have like hundreds of them. That's pretty great. I yeah, can see that. Yeah. So penny Driffles were definitely a thing. Hmm. I, I think it's interesting the kind of glimpse into these girls' lives that we get. We don't know a lot about Kitty, the victim. But she
0: cannot have come from a stable background at all. Yeah. To be hired out as the laundry girl to the Westons to yeah. start with means that her family couldn't support her really, or they needed the income.
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting how Rose is kind of comes up, comes across as kind of the tough one and kind of this mm-hmm. tough cookie who she's maybe the real troublemaker in the bunch because she literally plays with fire. But <laughs> then we find out more of her backstory and how she actually has a family. And she's maybe worse off Ugh, yeah. than the rest of them.
0: Her story just kills me. I mean, yeah.
1: the the show in every
0: episode has deals with really difficult subjects, but this one is so hard yeah. for me. And I think the other the other really really tough one would be um, unnatural habits. Mm-hmm. Just the idea of like these young girls being abused yeah. and just in such a hopeless situation like yeah. they are all there's just, no way
1: out there's, there's like
0: no mercy they don't have any anybody or anything to rely on and they just have to make their way but yet they can be exploited and it's just oh it's well, gut-wrenching And i think
1: that brings it back to this idea of like if we teach them comportment that's somehow going to be enough right yeah and i mean i guess it's better than nothing i guess it gives these girls some sort of role model but they're just when they're done with their little you know pinky lifting class mm-hmm. they're gonna have to go right back to
0: yeah it doesn't they change were. their social status really yeah. i mean they can they can kind of fake it better but if it doesn't are, take them out of the home where they are it doesn't right. take them and people in the i mean in the city already know what class they belong to right so when it comes to trying to find a good marriage they're still going to be
1: relegated to or trying to find work it's not like yeah, they're really educated right um so yeah, it's it's really tough, and and it's really heartbreaking when we find out Rose's story of her, ugh, yeah,
0: you know. Well, and it's interesting too because the girls are jealous of her. They keep saying, "Yeah, you and your big house." Like, her big house means that she has, you know, everything she needs, and that yet yeah, that house is falling apart. And we apart. see this house. This
1: house is in ruin. Her
0: grandfather is just a despicable human.
1: Yeah, and and and, ugh. Ugh. and but you know, I mean, I I don't want to say that. Being the despicable human part is common, but the but the story of long-standing old money families mm-hmm. f- kind of falling into ruin is fairly common, and we, I mean, and and it's kind of the subject of a lot of literature as well. I mean, we, um, it's a common theme for Jane Austen stories mm-hmm. of these, you know, estate this landed gentry who have a, who are house rich but cash poor, right. And they are still gentlemen. They, their daughters are still gentlemen's daughters. They can still move in society, but everybody knows that they've got nothing. Yeah. And and this is kind of the case here. Obviously, this house has been inherited. It's been in this family for a while, but he's the guy has a gambling problem. He's an alcoholic, I assume. He is having to sell off his furniture bit by bit. Yeah. He had to have the phone disconnected. He. he and then he ends up selling his daughter or his granddaughter. granddaughter. it's just, it's just yeah. awful. It's awful. It really is. And so poor
0: Rose has this awful life. And then all the girls are still jealous, jealous of her, of her. And, and treating her poorly.
1: Well, and I think there's something to be there's something there with victim blaming mm-hmm. and, and well, my I'm worse off than you are, so you don't have a right to complain. Right. And, and this idea of comparing experiences when you really can't do that. Yeah. Boy, this is a downer so far, but it, there's so much good stuff in there here as is, well. There
0: really is. Um, the scene, so like I mentioned, I wasn't really into this episode. I didn't really see the point of it until we get to what I think is one of my favorite scenes in the entire the entire series of Miss Fisher. Yeah. Where she's teaching the girls judo because it distills everything. Yeah. It's Finey doing what she can do for these young women, teaching them skills that they're actually going to possibly need. Yeah. And then then you get into the banter too with Jack. But I love how they start the scene cuz she comes in and and she says I'm here to teach you how to be civilized ladies, but right. what happened to Kitty wasn't very civilized. So, we're going to do something different. And you don't know what it is. And then the next shot is like over... Headlocks. I, yeah, and it's, it's <laughs> like over Rose's shoulder or something. And then suddenly there's an elbow around her neck. And then we have Franny calling out the commands. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Maneuver one and and i love that the girls are getting into it like they're even faking being in pain yep. and you know <laughs> um and it, it also like i would imagine that you know when jane was on the street or when i don't know when these girl when these girls are stuck in welfare I bet there's fighting I bet oh, they mix yeah. it up I bet they get in trouble for yeah. violence and everything else and it's like Franny's chant saying like okay I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna be so stupid as to say violence is never gonna be part of your right. life again so let's learn to channel it and use it correctly if there is such a thing
0: right have enough knowledge that you can use it really well yeah. and be confident in yeah. your abilities.
1: And also the scene is just hilarious. It's really, and it's
0: so good. And, and I love how Jack she is just sitting
1: there like eating it up. Yeah,
0: so he and Hugh walk in and Hugh's like, Miss Fisher
1: knows judo? Of course. And of course. <laughs> Which is, I love that Which line. Which is kind of our reaction to everything. everything. Like she can fly a plane. Of yeah. course she can fly she can, a plane. She can
0: tango. She can she speak can all pick these a languages. Lock. Of course she can, can pick a lock. Yeah. There's yeah. actually a term for this. And I might have it wrong, but it's I think it's called, like, Betty Sue or something. Mary Sue. Mary Sue. Yeah. But you know what? Okay, so Mary Sue refers to a female character who can do everything.
1: But also, it, it goes beyond that. Like, a female character that has no flaws, has no personality mm. flaws, and really has no real personality of okay. her own. And so the reader can project herself okay. onto it. Okay classic example of a um, recent Mary Sue is Bella Swan in the Twilight Novels. Oh, yeah. Because she has no real personality. Her whole <laughs> life revolves around everybody. But somehow she, especially when she finally becomes a stupid vampire, she can do everything. Oh, is that nice?
0: Right. <laughs> I really object to the whole, that whole thing. The yeah. whole idea of this term for women. Because yeah. men, is there a term for for a man who oh, can do everything, apparently
1: it's James Bond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's James. It's like every action hero can do everything. You don't question it, and right? Yet and there's no there's, criticism
1: for it. No, yeah. and
0: there's no name given to it. Like, yeah. oh, that's a you know, I don't know, Billy Bob moment. <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> it's probably not Bubba Joe right moment. <laughs> but i I would not I would not label Franny a Mary Sue in that she has a very strong personality. Oh yeah. And she is flawed. Like it's mm-hmm. charming, but she she can be a pain in the rear end and she um she steamrolls she steamrolls right over people yeah. sometimes. She she often gets in over her head cuz she will just go charging ahead. Um and she also is very thoughtful. She has this backstory. She has these fears, she has these weaknesses over her mm-hmm. sister and her past. So I feel like that just saves her. Yeah, I don't know
0: that the term is applicable to her, but I object to the term even being a term. Oh, totally.
1: <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. and But I think there's a whole genre of stuff for Mary Sue's because so many times you see these characters as just their only purpose is to be a mirror for either the plot or male characters. It's mm-hmm. kind of like what we've talked about before with the Bechdel test and female yeah. characters talking to each other and how rare that is. Yeah. And it's almost like continuing this whole idea of a Mary Sue. It's so frustrating. I mean, the lack of flaws, I think, is particularly dangerous too. Yeah.
0: It's so unrealistic. It's yeah. so dangerous to just women's roles in general and like right. the, how women are perceived. Right. We all have flaws. We're all human. And yet you're only put on a pedestal if you're female, if you are absolutely perfect and have no flaws,
1: yeah, and if you kind of fall into the the general idea of what femininity is supposed to be, mm-hmm. like like again, Bella Swan, like yep. her what she's known for is being a caretaker of other people. And okay, fine, there are caretakers in this world, but she she doesn't seem to have any interest beyond her controlling, abuse like abusive boyfriend. Basically, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, and coming home and cooking dinner and doing laundry for her dad and it's ridiculous like grown ass man living alone can't cook his own dinner <laughs> like yeah. but she, so she's so worried about him and then she goes home and reads these you know classic novels about other mary sues <laughs> 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 anyway tangent yeah anyway um.
0: i do love that frinnie is flawed and has so much character. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it makes the whole show for me, I think. But that, that one scene, I just love so much. And And I would totally
1: go to the Franny Fisher charm school. Oh my gosh. Learn how to handle asparagus and pick a lock and 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 judo and put somebody in a headlock. Yeah. You know, I would, I would do that. All useful skills, really. (laughs) (laughs) And Like if your dinner party goes awry. (laughs) 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 What to do. Oh, but
0: the, uh, I hope you're not concealing a dangerous weapon under that skirt. Oh, I line. know, and I'm concealing is, a lot of things. That's what, that's a, lady what a lady does. does.
1: <laughs> that's so good. And then, and he just a little bit later when he tells her that Rose is a pyromaniac, K hey, F Y I. Yeah. And she goes, I, um, "I'll keep a close eye on my flammables." And then she stands up so that she's like crotch level. In I, front know, of. I know. I
0: <laughs> know. That's the second sort of crotch shot because the other one was in a way with the fairies at the very beginning when he's.
1: You oh. know, closing
0: Miss Lavender's eyes, and the first time he sees Franny, he is looks like up and Hello. there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's really funny. I truly don't think I've ever seen a show that does that, and well, certainly not multiple times.
1: But you know, I'm sorry if if James Bond can, if we if we have to put up with like pussy galore and yeah. whatever other Bond girls are there in their skimpy outfits, and their only purpose is to Zinia on the titillate, top. yeah. We can we can have a little teasing in reverse, I think, yes. which is which is nice.
0: I do love Jack's look. Um, he meets Colin's eyes after the I'm concealing a lot of things. That's what lady, a lady does, and yeah. there's this great little grin, like, oh, I've been told. <laughs> and then I don't know if this is a product of like I don't know if this was supposed to be in there, but as he comes t- towards the camera, you can see he's like stifling a laugh. Yeah, and. I it, I mean it oh, totally fits that. with the scene but I also kind of wonder if that was, was just it, was like he breaking character yeah. Bit? Yeah. but yeah but it's perfect and it's really fun so I must have rewound that about 5 times I have
1: a real soft spot for when actors can't hold it in Oh yeah I I kind of, it's so endearing to me I know to I me. love it Yeah yeah, I I think like Jimmy Fallon can't keep a straight face to no, save his life. No, every time when he was on Saturday Night Live, if he
0: was in a sketch, if, like, some,
1: if someone broke, he what's and Horatio be him.
0: Sands were the worst
1: team. Yeah. to try to stay in character, they oh, never made it there's through. There a famous one where they did a Debbie Downer sketch at at, oh, yeah. at um, Disneyland, and it's Jimmy Fallon and and I think I think actually. Um, or is it Amy Poehler or is it one of either Amy Poehler or Tina Fey talks about that scene specifically in her book and I think it's I think it's Amy Poehler okay and she talks about how they just like Jimmy and Horatio like kept losing it and so the (laughs) rest of like they couldn't it's it was like they're at Disneyland and Debbie Downer's like I just found out I can't have children (laughs) I wouldn't be able to do that I would lose it no
0: I know (laughs) That'd be so hard. Yeah. And if everybody else is losing it, there's just no way, but I love that. It makes it really fun. And I know that it's like against code or whatever, and they're not supposed to do it, but I don't care. It's really, I, fun. yeah,
1: I don't care. I'm, I, I I have a lot of patience for like breaking the fourth wall and all of that. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm I okay too. with that.
0: I actually, so that's one of the reasons I really like house of cards.
1: Have oh, you watch that? No,
0: I've never seen it. Um, yeah, he they break the fourth wall periodically. Like and it's, Ferris Bueller style or Yeah, a little bit. Wow. Yeah. And the first time it happens, you're like, wait, what just happened here? And it's really early. It's like in the first five minutes, I think, of the entire series. But yeah, it's it's really it is really interesting. So that he's talking to you throughout. Wow. And sort of like narrating his thoughts and it's it's good.
1: Um can we talk about Beach huts? Yes. I love Beach huts, and they have a very interesting history. Oh, really? Uh, like Do many tell. things. So, um, the beach huts, and and their beach huts are not a thing in America, as far as I know. Are there any on the East Coast? It feels like an East Coast. Yeah, thing here. I mean, I grew up in Massachusetts, and I can't really think of any. Okay. there. there might be somewhere, but I not not to my knowledge. Okay, yeah. Um, but they are very common in the British Empire. Yep. And um, in England, and there's are there are some in like France and other places as Mm -hmm. well, but it seems like, uh, South Africa, Australia, and Britain are the big, the big ones. But the other thing that I I think is interesting about these bathing boxes is the ones in Melbourne that are in this, um, they exploded in popularity in the early 20th century, actually, even though they were first built in the 1860s. So the St. Kilda tram line was completed in 1906. Oh. And so suddenly, even people who didn't live out in yeah. Brighton, they could come out from a city for the day. Right. And so at that point, there were... Um, right, right up at the point that we see this episode, which is what, 1927, 8? Yeah, um, I think like 8. There are around 200 of them on Whoa. that just on that beach. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, good thing they are painted different colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And the the ones that are in this episode are the Original ones in Australia, as far as I know, hmm. and they were all built as a response to Victorian morality. There were very strict laws about beaches hmm. at the time. Like there were separate men's and women's sections of the beaches. Oh wow! Uh, no, nude bathing was absolutely verboten, and even bathing during the middle of the day was restricted. Really, because people were worried about I don't know a flash of breast or something happening, and and so. Uh, there were all these strict laws, and people wanted more and more access to the beach. People were moving out to these suburbs. People mm. had access to these places. And so the first thing that they invented was a wheeled bathing machine, what? which is like a dressing room on wheels. And then people would kind of do their little Clark Kent costume change in there. And Why then, did it need to be on wheels? I think they brought it with them. Oh. From home. To the beach. Oh, wow. So they could change there. How crazy. Like a, those portable dressing room. Yeah, how, those crazy That's Victorians. Amazing. And um, and I think it's so telling that these were only really in the British Empire, because you can't, like, this would never happen in, like, Italy or Spain or yeah. Mediterranean or, places for people that don't right. care. Um, they also came to be known as, like, Working Man's Beach House. Hmm. Like, you could buy. It started out you could just rent them, okay, either by the day or by the hour. But then it became that you could buy your own, and it was perma- permanently there on the beach. And so it kind of became this way for working class people to have a summer home. Huh. And so people started decking them out. They started um, putting decorations in there and kind of hanging out in there for wow. for some shade. And now actually, you can still there. These things are worth a lot of money now. Like there, there, there are some that sell for two hundred thousand dollars. <sighs> Um, and then I have just read of a artist residency that you can apply for in England, where you can do a summer residency in a beach hut. To oh my God! Go and write. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So it's like this whole this whole subculture of these these beach huts. What's at all? the story behind the colors that they're painted? Just I think people... I, you know, I'm not sure, but I wonder if that has to do with like the the prevailing tastes of of the Victorian era. Because mm-hmm. if you look at Victorian houses you know, painted ladies, Mm -hmm. Queen Anne's, they were often painted in those Easter egg colors. So I wonder if that's an extraction of Mm -hmm. that. I could be wrong. There could be more information. It reminds me of all the houses
0: on the hills in the Cinque Terre. How they're all different colors because the fishermen want to pick out their home from the sea.
1: Oh, is that the story? Yeah, that's
0: what I've been told. So that's why they're all different colors. That's interesting. Well, and you you know, like the painted
1: ladies in San Francisco, they're all, like Mm -hmm. all the houses were kind of built to the same specifications they're almost identical and right. so people distinguish their own houses by having these by yeah. colors that would make sense with the bathing huts too yeah they're they, all identical they look, How yeah. under, oh my god I don't know which one is mine <laughs> or especially if you're coming back after swimming and you're <laughs> you know tired or maybe you've had some beer yep but you know yours has the pink door yeah <laughs> that would be very important
0: <laughs> yeah I think they're an interesting um, background for this awful murder
1: and especially it's, since they derive from modesty and yeah. hiding one's, you know, sinful nature, and then this these um, modesty in a day at the beach, just like fun, innocent, yeah. things, and, and, and yeah. then these this sordid business is happening in there, and these girls are being victimized yeah. in these beach huts. It's an interesting contrast. Very, very sad. Yeah. Um, I remember when, when they first found the... When they didn't know what was happening yet. And they, they found that the key fit the beach hut. And Phryne goes in there and says, nice hideaway. And I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, and that brings me to Phryne's amazing lacquer paper umbrella. Oh, yeah. Which I think we're going to see again in season two. Huh. Um, Maybe in Queenscliff. That, that parasol yeah. that she carries around is so beautiful and it's it's made of paper that's been brushed over many many times huh. with lacquer so that it okay. becomes this durable material but oh there's it's so beautiful and what a great prop she
0: actually buys that in the book one of really? the books, yeah yeah she's i think they are in queenscliff um and she goes into a store and buys one, and it's really expensive. And mm. the saleswoman is so expensive, she even sort of stops her and is like, I'm really sorry. These were really well-made, so they're, I think they're like three pounds or something, which at the time would, would have, have been, been a lot. Yeah. And Franny's like, okay, well, I'll take two. Dot, pick one out. That's so, so great. Yeah. There's a scene where she Can buys them. I have one, Franny?
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's some really great, interesting costumes in here, along with that parasol Um I'm interested in the costumes that the girls were wearing because they were contemporary, like Rose is wearing that pink kind of flapper sailor suit, Mm -hmm. but they're a little shabby, Mm. which was a nice touch. I mean, these these girls, or maybe they hadn't grown into them quite yet, so they were a little baggy maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Mm. I thought that was a nice touch. And I love that scene when Dot is helping Jane. She's putting pin curls. Yeah. In her hair, and Dot is kind of doing for Jane what Friday has done for Dot, in a way. That's true. She's being encouraging mm-hmm. and, you know, reassuring her. I feel like the conversation
0: should have tipped Dot off that something was going to happen. Yeah. Because Jane's like,
1: "It's been so lovely here. I've had such a wonderful time." That sounds like a uh, goodbye, yeah. Dot. I, I Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's un, let's unpack that. I think that whole thing with Jane and her mother it's a little ambiguous because at first it seems like Jane is really excited to see her mother and then it almost seems like Jane is worried that Franny will turn her out hmm. now that her mother's there cuz Jane overhears that conversation that Franny says you know I never would have I never would have intervened if I'd known that her mother was in and of course the, the adoption papers weren't signed cuz right. we thought her couldn't mother find was there yeah yeah, and I think Jane is worried she's going to have to leave. Hmm. And then it's like, well, maybe Jane feels she's responsible for her mother and needs to take care of her. She and definitely
0: so, seems to feel that way. Yeah, I'd so say. it's I mean, this very
1: ambiguous, it's complex so, thing. Uh,
0: yeah, it's really complex. And I. this is one of the things, too, that makes me appreciate this show because they handle the mental illness of the mother so well. Delicately. It's, it's very delicate. It's very sensitive and it shows kind of the the give and take. It's not just a clean like Oh, she's mentally ill. She can't take care of her daughter, and just you know, cut ties. It's
1: yeah, or she's mentally ill, therefore she she doesn't even want to have a daughter, right. or she
0: abandoned her. And yeah, uh, um, I think so often it, it's sort of turned into that's like villainized. Is that a word? Yeah, I don't know if that's a word. Uh, well, but but, but but I understand what you're vilified. saying. Like,
1: vilify, yeah. Vilified, vilified, vilified um, the
0: the mentally ill. Like, yeah, and just of get rid of that person yeah. like that's the neat and tidy answer to the problem is like they have an it, they
1: have a problem we need to send them away and i think there has been historically i think there's been this tendency to do that with these kids like oh mm-hmm. you're an unfit mother whatever that means right we've decided that yep and so we're automatically going to take your kid away instead of saying well let's work with this person maybe with treat maybe there's something we can do to help this person still raise their child there just really wasn't that didn't happen they just took the kid away
0: and they show you like all the awful stuff that happens within those systems yeah when those you know black and white decisions are made on a very on the situation
1: that is all gray yeah and we've already talked about how charles dickens wrote about you know the the awful school like the school system for orphan kids and Mm -hmm. and how he exposed those things and and also these kids are kind of marked for life yeah if they don't have a home if they don't have parents you had mentioned earlier just just now saying that you know it's obvious to the rest of society what class they come from and it's like they never get the chance to bounce back because mm-hmm. they're forever branded oh you're an orphan or oh your mother was crazy or mm-hmm. oh and it's like they never get a chance it's like they're they're paying for whatever thing either their parents were abusive or maybe they couldn't help it and or maybe they just died and right, the kids yeah. are paying for that. I appreciate that the show highlights
0: all like the the difficulties of the family who fall through the cracks and all the ways that it's so easy to do so and yeah. then the ramifications it has on the entire family. Yeah. And um yeah, I thought it was I mean, it is it is so complex, this relationship that she has with her mother, and also Phryne's relationship, too, with Jane, and how she really kind of loses her composure when Jane's mm-hmm. mom comes, and yeah. the scene where um, yeah, she's sitting in the parlor, yeah. and Mr. Butler comes and brings her oh. the whiskey, <laughs> and then he just hands he it to Miss Fisher, and she says, that's me, and then just downs it and
1: yeah and then he hands one to dot yeah. and says medicinal <laughs> and she even downs hers and, then and she does a little sputter <laughs> yeah. that's really funny yeah
0: but yeah i mean she even Franny is really caught off guard and really um worried about what's going to happen so and it takes a lot to ruffle her but when jane first sees the woman hanging out in the front of the house she's she stays inside all day so i think she must know it's her mother yeah And doesn't want to see her or I'm not really sure what her plan is. She doesn't know
1: what she's here for. Is she here to
0: take her away? Is she avoiding the whole situation by staying inside? Yeah. And then when the mother is actually there, um, Jane goes through, you know, will she recognize me? It's been so long. And the mother has a really interesting, um, she's got a really interesting reaction. She's proud to see her daughter in the paper. Yeah. And but she's nervous and she's sad and but she thanks Franny for taking such good care of her. Yeah. It's it's a really complex situation. Yeah, and, and then when
1: things kind of spiral out of her control, it's like she's still trying to be a caretaker, but mm-hmm. she's got some paranoia going yeah. on. She's got schizophrenia, maybe and then it doesn't help that she's got this awful landlord <sighs> who's like banging on the door and that triggers her into yeah. having some sort of episode and, and then suddenly Jane isn't safe anymore and right. Jane but out. she
0: yeah the mom had been trying so hard that mm-hmm. whole time and Jane knows what will happen yeah. and tells Franny she can't go back to those places they hurt her and it's just it's yeah. really hard to watch that so Jane's like trying to handle the situation trying to solve the problem and yep. she's yet she's this kid and ugh, yeah and I
1: think it's sh- you know a lot of these kids who have to become adults before their time mm-hmm. they end up kind of being parentified um and and they they end up having to kind of be the parental figure to their parents when they still have these parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really sad. It's really really sad to watch because Jane Jane never really got a childhood and no. she's still she hasn't even hit puberty yet and here she is like caretaking <laughs> yeah. for her mother and brings she brings her money. She she brings her
0: book, but she also brings the adoption papers. Yeah. Which is really interesting. That's very grown up. Yeah, it is. Very forward-thinking yep. of her. And um, I was worried that the mom would, you know, flip out about it, but she doesn't. She's like, you're right, it's for the best. And she signs the papers. But, so. but she
1: puts it off, like, she kind of puts it off. I think she does, yeah. You know, I think there's an interesting bit at the end when Franny serves her tea or coffee or whatever that is, and then offers her a bath. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because she's very kind to this woman who has put Jane in danger, but... Frieda doesn't receive her in the dining room, like she or the or the parlor where she would any other guest. She receives her in the kitchen, kitchen. through the back door, which is where the deliveries would be made, which is where Sess and Bert come in. And I think that's very interesting because she's still maintaining this level of class distinction. I had not even noticed that. Yeah. Huh.
0: But the offer of a bath is really. I mean it doesn't seem like a luxury now but that would
1: have. but it would have been for for a woman of that station Mm -hmm. i um i looked up the poem that they read to each other because i hadn't heard of it um and the poet is henry lawson as they mentioned and he was apparently um one of the most well-known australian poets Hmm. uh ironically uh lawson was jailed at one point in his life Uh, he he had very mixed financial success. Mm. Um, And he was always having trouble with getting money from his publishers, apparently. That was like a recurring theme. And so he often was very, very poor. Mm. And he was divorced. And um, apparently at one point, because he was so poor, and I don't know, there may be other motives here as well, but he was jailed at one point for non-payment of child support. Oh, wow. So kind of ironic choice for this episode. (gasps) Um, But I, I, I... Printed out the poem. The poem. The poem that they're reading to each other is called "The Wander Light," and I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's but it's fairly long. But it's about kind of the the joys of wandering and feeling at home on the feeling at home in the unknown, hmm. which seems fairly fitting for Jane. And there's a line in there that I really liked, and it's. Um, and what matters it, I wonder, brick or stone or calico or a bush you were born under when it happened long ago. Hmm. And I think that's really interesting for Jane and Anne as well. And all of these kind of lost girls who had these difficult childhoods but then grow into becoming something and making something mm-hmm. of themselves. And does it really matter where you came from? And in hmm. and, and this society, it does to, to society because these girls yeah. are still slipping through the cracks and they're still marked for not having a family it's interesting
0: that is i will um put the link to that poem in the show yes notes. great so yeah should we talk costumes sure i've got lots of notes all right on that one i actually don't have that many my my one well i have like a negative feedback and positive feedback. okay <laughs> my, my negative is those sunglasses they drive me crazy mm sunglasses i am sure that they were period correct
1: i just kind of noticed them as being like oh she's wearing sunglasses
0: and in this episode and i don't know that she ever does it again when they're questioning rose i think on her front stoop there at the yeah. little the patio set she has them like halfway down her nose so you can see her eyes she's kind of like I, what, yeah. do you, what do you call that is there a name for when you put your glasses like i i don't Halfway know down like down the bridge of your nose
1: yeah I yeah i don't know
0: okay but it's like there, she's looking
1: up yes. over her glasses yes
0: and it really uh was distracting to me
1: interesting
0: yeah i don't i don't like the glasses usually but i liked them even less when there was this weird like half on half off thing. yeah it's a little school marmy it was yeah, yeah. but just distracting like take them off please. interesting
1: i just all i had was like oh she's wearing sunglasses <laughs> did they have that then i should look that up and then i didn't i forgot all about it so (laughs) i'm guessing they did i'm I'm guessing they probably looked you know like they must have done yeah Yeah. um i feel like my big critique is i feel like jack made his first tie misstep (laughs) (laughs) at this one and i know in past podcasts i have just waxed poetic about jack's ties and blah 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 and how i hate ties and he's got great ones Well, he he has a couple of gross ones in this episode <laughs> and i'm kind of surprised he's got one that's kind of a maroon maroony brown and it's got these cream colored hash marks on them and i hate that tie really yeah it just is i don't it, know if it like it's like a little fleur-de-lis almost but not no not that's as... a different one i okay. didn't i didn't care so much about that one but this one had these they almost looked like it almost looked like something vaguely japanese it's like hmm, they were like like bamboo hash marks or something. It was bizarre. Huh. And it just looked like something I'd find at a Goodwill from like a <laughs> 1970s closet. It's just, ugh. And then he wears a skinny tie. Hmm. a navy A navy blue skinny tie, which I actually, I think skinny ties work really well in the mod era in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. But with the cut of suit, that was prevalent in the 1920s, I think it's clashes. So all I could see in that was like, oh, he's wearing a skinny tie. And I just... so funny. I uh, love that you even noticed this. (laughs) I notice it at all for the record i'd be much more comfortable with a skinny tie than a fat tie Mm, and thank god the era of fat ties was mercifully short because everybody kind of agreed oh god those are awful (laughs) but but yeah oh yeah i know i it's so it's so funny there because it's such a boring range of things these these men wear we have brown and we have gray and we have navy blue they all look
0: exactly the same to me (sighs) he might as well be wearing a Police uniform because I just do not notice the difference oh, at that's all. That's so funny.
1: A lot of costume changes for Friday in this episode. Like she's, she has her, her fur collar on that white coat. Um, yeah. I like that those brass, it's, I think they're brass earrings that she's wearing, these kind of dangly huh. earrings. Um, they seem a little different for her because usually she's wearing these very opulent things. Like mm-hmm. she has her emerald things. And at one point she's wearing these um, teardrop onyx earrings that seem so glamorous even though onyx isn't it's not a precious stone but it seems like she's wearing more costume jewelry that's not as valuable Hmm. in this one and i don't know if that's because she's around a kleptomaniac all the time but (laughs) maybe they stole all her good stuff yeah um and she is wearing at the very end she's wearing that lavender floral dress with the oak leaf kind of hair this is thing
0: one of my favorite outfits of hers across the board
1: yeah It is very, very similar to the one she wears in episode two on the Murder on the Ballarat train when she's sitting on her car trying to attract the attention of this this milk toast fop in the rowing rowing outfit, but I checked, I went back and I compared the two, and they're not the same dress, but they're very similar. Um, They have a kind of similar floral pattern, they're both silver on kind of lavender, but but this one in this episode is it's a much lighter lavender. This one's
0: cut on the bias. Yeah, and, and it's a much more straightforward
1: neckline, whereas yeah. the other one had a weird asymmetrical mm-hmm. evening. It was gown, a little more like, structured. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: this one I just love the simplicity of it. It's just it's stunning, and then it then it flares.
1: Yeah, like
0: down by her knees, it kind of goes into these different little pleats and flares. And yeah, just, oh, it's, it's so really... Gorgeous. And then the, I think it's like a pashmina shawl that she's wearing yeah. with it. Yeah. And, and yeah, the, is it an oak leaf? It's an oak you leaf, okay. I think, yeah. I love that. It's beautiful. It's just, it's gorgeous. And it's understated. So yeah, it's yeah. really understated, and it's just stunning, and she looks so good. Yeah. And she also looks um, kind of innocent in it. Like, it's an interesting contrast, again, to the subject matter and how she's, like, basically luring the
1: the villain out of his house. Well and speaking of which I thought it was chilling when Rose shows up Ugh. wearing the flower crown. Yes. That is just Yep. I thought wow when they when they did that.
0: Yeah, and I mean the fact that she can even be there and say, Yep, that's the guy. It was that was a hard scene. Yeah. I think the tone switches a little too quickly in that scene. Mm-hmm. Because we've just yeah, we've had this really sort of gut wrenching scene where Rose comes around the corner wearing the flowers and she says yeah he that's the man and then and then franny says go wait for me in the car and then jack and franny like flirt flirt for of course flirt. yeah and it's just like the the tone suddenly is very cheery and uh and flirtatious and this awful thing just went down yeah, like, like 30 seconds before
1: statutory rapist and murderer in the car. Yeah, let's flirt. Yeah, exactly.
0: It was I mean I, I love that scene and I love the little, you know, banter between Jack and Finey and, and he gives her the adoption the signed adoption papers mm-hmm.
1: and what does he say you're gonna have to be her uh, and what will you be? Her guardian angel and she says much more my style.
0: Yeah. That's very fitting.
1: There's lots of little uh I think there's there's lots of little house details in here that I really liked. Like um we get a really good look at that phone that I know we've mentioned before, that like Corilla Deville phone. Mm-hmm. But um pretty sure that phone is Bakelite hmm. which was an early plastic. And mm-hmm. so that would have been like the would have been like the pottery barn accessory of the day because you know I the think pottery barn still makes
0: those. Oh <laughs> or God. like or no restoration hardware. They Restor- probably yeah. have that exact yeah. thing
1: yeah. for sale right now. Um, she also, both my husband and I geeked out about the ice box in the background (laughs) in her kitchen. I kind of want, I kind of want that ice box. And then she has a couple of really beautiful Tiffany lamps Mm -hmm. in her house. And there's one in the dining room that I know we've seen before, but then when, um, Hugh and Dot, well, when Hugh makes Dot put together that puzzle with the beer coaster, she is sitting under this beautiful little stained glass desk lamp when he, so when they first find
0: that, they empty out the purse on Jack's desk. Yeah. And Jack says, What is that? And he says, It's a Bia Costa. Bia Costa, and yeah. I did not understand what he said. It took me <laughs> till, like, I don't know, the next character says it. And they, and they say, Beer Coaster. And oh. I realized what, it, what he was saying. Because I truly. Did not understand it through the accent. Well, I grew up in Bia Massachusetts Costa. where it is also oh, pronounced yeah. Bia. Yep. I'm going to go
1: up to Rivia this weekend and have a <laughs> Bia. <laughs> There, there have been
0: only a couple times where I just truly did not understand a piece of information because of the the, the uh, accent. accent, but
1: and this was one of them. That is funny. Yeah. Like,
0: oh, beer coaster.
1: Later. Well, you know, the beer coasters also got made me geek out because beer coasters are really popular now with like mm-hmm. all these hipster micro brews and everything, right. and everybody puts their logo on their beer coaster. But that practice has been around for a very, very long time. Um, they originally um, so beer coasters used to be called beer mats, mm. and they were made of felt like hmm. fabric and they weren't used to protect the table they were used to put to protect the valuable beer oh. from like bugs and dirt and right. stuff so it's like what you do i guess if you're a smoker and you need to go out
0: and take a smoke you put the the beer coaster on top of, on your, beer top of to your show beer. that you're still you're coming back yeah so okay. they
1: used to do that to keep crap from falling into the beer huh. um Oh, that's and, funny and so the beer mats were kind of getting expensive out of being made out of fabric so they um the first mass-produced ones that were made out of kind of punched out cardboard um it was like a it was like a pulp board that was those those were in the 1880s hmm. and it was around then that people started figuring out hey these are really great advertisements so they yeah. started putting their brand on there which i think is really huh. really really interesting it is so and of course it can be much it can be damning evidence if yes you know if it's in a murder victim's purse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that Hugh can't figure it out. I mean, it's not that many pieces. It's not, like, it's pretty clear what Let's it is. Let's make do it. <laughs> exactly. But I, it, the scene where he's trying to do it, he's like, oh, I think that's an end. I know. I love it. His face, like, he's just so good. His, yeah. He, he is so good. I, I would be okay watching an entire reel of just Hugh
1: moments. Well, speaking of Hugh moments, I love it that he just doesn't get it that the girl was pregnant. <laughs>
0: Wait, babies? What
1: babies? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's so good. I, 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 did I write it down? I don't think I wrote it down, but it's just, it's so good when she's, and dot, innocent little dot. Mm -hmm. You'd think that Hugh would know a little bit more being a cop and seeing some things every now and again. He is very
0: sheltered (laughs) for being a cop. Yeah. Yeah. And she only figures it out when she remembers.
1: She's like, I left the dress out a couple of inches right around the,
0: oh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the next scene is in Jack's office. The coroner's report comes back and he said, if there was any more female intuition in the world, the coroner would be out of a
1: job. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's so, oh man, that's such a great line. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is interesting. I, this is kind of neither here nor there, but I was trying to look up some stuff about the various details on this show, blah, blah, blah. And I found that the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, they had put together like a student activity questionnaire about this episode. I don't know if there were others for other episodes, but it's like they had set it up for classroom really?
0: discussion. Yeah. They were gonna use this episode as an Apparently. educational tool yeah. for what? I don't preventing know preventing young people from becoming
1: parents too early or like or what's- Watch out for scary mares. Like Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was really that is fascinating, interesting, and odd. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out where it came from because it was just a PDF. Like oh, wow. I stumbled upon it on a Google search. In this PDF, do you came still out. have
0: it? Can we put it?
1: I, on I the could thing? probably, yeah, I could probably. Um, okay, I, di- I didn't end up downloading it, but I could find it.
0: Um, okay, if you can find it, I'll try to. I'll put it on the show notes. Yeah wow Isn't that weird and that i didn't
1: is... i didn't find one of any other episodes it didn't look that hard huh. but i wonder i mean there are
0: plenty of lessons in this one i suppose but i feel like every episode has i don't know you could do a whole class on franny fisher i know
1: well i think you could like I, yeah i feel
0: like somebody's going to honestly yeah. like at some point it will be like feminism through the eyes of franny fisher right. or you yeah, know or
1: history and all, yeah mm-hmm. Can can we talk a little bit about that terrifying scene when Rose sees the mayor in the police station? Yes. And how, like, that look... like and yeah. I, and I, That was a huge giveaway for me. I'm like, oh, well, clearly it's him. Because yeah, he's scary. It, and it irritated me that, like, nobody else figured that out. It was like, it was why pretty, is he so scared? <laughs> like, even Franny was like, I don't know. I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was annoying. But yes, that is... Chilling. A, a chilling scene, and...
1: And then when you find out how he killed... Um, kitty. Oh, jeez. With, like, his boot in her back. I mean, it was brutal. And they don't show you that much
0: of it, but it's enough to know like, that was just horrific. And even Jack is like, I don't think you
1: should Yeah. I don't want to tell you that. That's
0: so interesting too. He does this every once in a while. Like, he doesn't want to tell Franny the detail. Yeah. And then she's like, no, you need to tell me. And then he tells her. And I I like that she pauses a second and, like, reveals that it is a really hard detail to know. But she, well, especially since
1: she knew this girl. This wasn't yeah. some
0: random body somewhere. Right. And, I mean, she knows what that means. She knows the level of brutality that that would have yeah. required. But she says, tell me. I need to know this. And I think it's really important that she's not wanting – or she t- she coaxes Jack out of always trying to, like, handle her with kid
1: gloves. Yeah. because she's a person. She can handle this information. Well, and she's there's an still intelligent... that prevalent societal thing of that's not for a lady's yeah, ears exactly. or in polite company or in mixed company, right. which is so... And she's, just,
0: she's basically calling bullshit on that. Yeah. Like,
1: give me the information. I can handle it. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. You still hear that's not polite for mixed company. That makes uh, me see red when I hear it. I know. I'm like, if just... it's not
0: appropriate for mixed company, you probably shouldn't be saying it at yeah. all. Like, yeah. if you can't just say this to... yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, like, sometimes kids and But and also, like, but, oh,
1: I have to be equipped with a penis to be able yeah. to hear those words? Like, yep. it's, it's ridiculous. I know.
0: So I think, um, going back to the the character of the mayor, mm. he is, we don't know that much about him. We know he's the mayor, so obviously he is prominent in this town. Um, and his word is going to get, it's going to carry more weight. Yep. And he has a hand in selecting the girls for this queen of the flowers creepy. thing yeah super creepy and yeah. the whole time he's he seems like the stand-up guy like oh no we can't rob the girls of this wonderful experience we have to you know the show must continue and you're like oh that's really thoughtful of him um but i think he kind of represents another patriarchal figure who is just untrustworthy like yeah we've had we kind of went there with the priest, with Dot's priest, right. betting on the result of the, the Fet. Right. And, um, and right. you know, everyone's supposed to look up to him and trust him, and he's supposed to, his word is supposed to be law. And here you have the mayor, kind of a similar deal. And it's a
1: much more egregious breach of trust here. Oh. Like, I mean,
0: Dot's oh
1: priest is fairly innocuous. Right. Even though, you know, but this is, and, and this is and like we talked about before with these girls just never having a shot because they're marked as being orphans or they're marked as being criminals or mm-hmm. whatever meanwhile on the flip side the mayor is marked as being instantly trustworthy because he is an upstanding citizen he's a man he's a man mm-hmm. with power he's the mayor and and i think time and time again the plot of not just this show but other shows like especially murder mysteries it's often that this upstanding authority figure is not to be trusted. Right, really yeah. duplicitous and, yeah. yeah. And how we instantly place our trust with yep. we're kind of groomed mm-hmm. to trust certain people and how awful that that can be especially yeah. girls girls are often Ugh. you know girls are we we are you and I were we were all groomed to be respectful of authority mm-hmm. and to answer when we are asked a question and to comply with somebody's wishes even if it makes us uncomfortable we, we have been taught to not cry out not right. make a scene be the good girl and when, the, when these young girls are involved they've been groomed to be respectful right. and they're just sitting ducks and it's just grotesque yeah should
0: we talk about the kind of the end scene where rose when they're in phryne's parlor
1: and and her grandfather comes yeah oh that's heart-wrenching scene it really is yeah
0: and the grandfather just i i don't feel like that scene was as well written as it could have been he's like oh i'm so sorry rose can you ever forgive me and you're like no no screw you yeah like, I don't... And, and I Franny
1: doesn't let him off the hook, though. No,
0: she's glaring at him. But I don't, like, I almost feel like I don't know how I was supposed to feel about him at that point. Like, the show, I think, needed to do some, like, one more line or something. Or, or
1: even, like, why does she have to... I don't know. I mean, I guess it, she does have to see her grandfather again. I, she lives why with the man. Is he, why is he allowed to come in at that point? Why like, is she allowed to be sent back to this guy? Yeah. Why does he still get to have custody over her after this? We Do we... Uh... I guess we I, That don't, was my assumption. Yeah. Was that, because well, they didn't say we're going to send you
0: into welfare that's after this. True. And they let the grandfather in, right? Is she spilling her guts about this horrible situation. Yeah. And here comes the guy who, like, started the whole thing. And,
1: and suddenly we have, yeah, I, I get really heartened when I see stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, he is, you know, begging for forgiveness. I'm like, I don't care about your remorse at this point. Nope. Dude, you don't deserve a second chance yeah. on Yeah.
0: I actually felt like he didn't deserve any lines in that scene. Yeah. Like we should have just seen him so that we could all We like just, just, <laughs>
1: just so you know, we know what you did. Here's what you caused. Yeah, but the pathetic, well, can you ever forgive me? Yeah. Ugh. But at the same time, it's not like, you know, Franny's going to be able to run a wayward school for girls and have, you know, all the orphan wards of this of Melbourne living under her roof. So I I think it also, I think maybe it serves to show how lucky Jane is in sharper relief because mm-hmm. Jane also has ostensibly a family to go back to that is yeah. also unsafe. But however unfair it is, Jane has a way out and Rose doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to say about that. I don't know. There is no conclusion to that. Not really. Screw you, grandpa.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to mention, when they they quote unquote rescue Jane. I mean it is a rescue when yeah. they bust down the door. Um and side note it is super hot when Jack busts down the door.
1: <laughs> and like hauls up this lady in yeah. her underwear and like puts her sweater on and like holds her close and, and he growls at the landlord. I, I'm like, now. yeah. <laughs> yeah, my it, hero. It, it was pretty hot right there. Um
0: that aside, <laughs> hotness aside um the the moment that jane and friney have when jane is safely back in the apartment and she says she's not mean she just needs me and it was a really interesting way to frame it it's oversimplified because jane's a kid like she's right. not mean you know mean has and all And she chose of these mean and not crazy right or she's not um you know abusive gonna, or yeah, yeah but mean it's like a, a little kid That's, word to use. Yeah. She just needs me. When she breaks into tears, ugh. oh heart wrenching. I know. I was pretty gutted yeah. during that scene. Yeah. Like I didn't want to cry, but I totally, totally yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a hard one, but a really good one I think. And well, and
1: I think we, we see some Friday vulnerability here mm-hmm. too because I mean she has to be strong for Jane because that's what parents are supposed to do right but she is every bit as shaken and she's terrified and and she kind of lets that slip in front of Jack she's like no we have to go now we have to do this now yeah she's frantic you know, where is Jane she's very visibly upset and she's not afraid to have a body count at the end of that like she goes after Rose's grandfather saying mm-hmm. they didn't show up for school today where are these girls yeah and then it turns out it's two different perilous situations and they go after They have to go after Rose first, because she's been... God, that was awful, too. Her oh, being geez. drugged in the beach hut. Oh, my God. So awful.
0: And then the grandfather gets a note from her, but he's just like, eh, she'll come back. I thought she was faking it. Yeah. <sighs> Scum. Yeah, Scum. Yeah. Yeah. So maddening. But yeah, the, the scene where she is almost dead in that beach hut, and they... Come and get her just in time, and then Franny's sitting by her bedside in the hospital. Meanwhile, not knowing where her own daughter is—that's just so hard.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. There, there's a—it's funny because like we we get so hung up on like the details of these episodes and how beautiful they are, or how they're shot and everything. And man, there's a, there's like tough issue after tough yeah. issue in this there's thing. There's real content in
0: these, yeah. which is why like the books too go into a lot of it and. They're so easy to read. Yeah. And I kept wanting to say, like, they're little bonbons, but they're not. They're not. They're, like, they're full of good stuff and tons of meaty subjects.
1: I have one last costume note. Okay. Dot has this fantastic dress. It's a linen i thought it was a skirt and sweater at first but then Hmm. i saw it close up and it's actually a dress and it's got that kind of around it's still her classic beige combo but it, it around the waist it has this kind of triangular art deco pattern and then below that pattern are these massive wide pleats Huh. And the whole thing is made out of linen and it's beautiful. And I'm thinking that's gotta be a nightmare to iron. <laughs> but but and of course ir- Dot's the one doing the ironing. Right. Yeah. But that dress is so fabulous. I feel like that's huh. the most flashy thing we see from Dot this season. <laughs> and it's not very flashy, right, but it's right. the, really the max. For it's Dot. just really put together. Huh. It's really beautiful. Oh, oh, one last thing. I thought there was some foreshadowing, some costume foreshadowing happening because we see Jane when she sneaks out of the house, she puts on that red oh, coat, which yes. is very Little Red Riding Hood. Yes. And she's wearing these pink hair ribbons that are so reminiscent of the other Jane, the mm-hmm. Jane we lost with the blue hair ribbons. Yeah, yeah. and that just all I could think yep. of was, oh, this is this is not going to be good. Right. Yeah,
0: and we're very quickly approaching the end of this. the season. amazing finale. I know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I did think that Rose, the, the actress who played Rose, she reminded me a lot of Daryl Hannah.
0: Oh yeah, I kind can of see neither that. Neither
1: here nor there, but. Huh. Yeah, I
0: thought she was really good. She had a hardness to her yes. that was believable. it was. She was very stoic, but
1: very hard, like not going to trust anyone. And very different from when we first meet Jane, because mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that in Jane too, but Jane is, of course, younger. Yeah. But um, very different
0: personality. Yeah, Rose has developed a much thicker skin by this point, or has to put on that front. And oh yeah, yeah so do you have any thoughts on a toast for this one
1: what i wrote down was guardian angels oh i love that because these girls still need one and, and as it's, as is clear at the end of this episode you know jane gets to go home to her guardian angel but what does rose get mm-hmm. so let's let's toast to a hope for everyone to have some sort of guardian angel in their life good idea to guardian angels to guardian angels <laughs> cheers Cheers.